Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey. Well, this is the month of March, and this is the basketball fans' greatest month, (laughs) March Madness. Uh, My Purdue boys are playing tonight, and I'll be excited to watch them. I believe you predicted last Friday they would make it to the Elite Eight. I'm going to hold you to that here. (laughs) We will see. We will see. So so this month, what we're doing is we're taking off that phrase, March Madness, and we're talking about the madness of things, the folly of things. And so last week, we talked about the madness of sin. Sin just doesn't make any sense, but there we are, and we do it. And so today, as we continue with this theme of March Madness, we want to talk about the madness of materialism. And that is a very, very important lesson, the times we live in. We live in a very affluent times, a very affluent society. Uh, Every little town you go to, the major cities, you see all these storage sheds, and we have so much stuff, we just store, 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 and uh, we can have the problems with these things. Now, by the blessings of God, I've been able to see some incredible things in my life. I've been to palaces, and I've been to castles. I've seen the crowns of kings and queens, and I've seen diamonds and glitter and gold. I've seen thrones. I've seen masterpieces painted by the greatest artists in the world. And and all that stuff is impressive. And every year, uh, different organizations come out, and they list the richest people in the world. And we get impressed by the fancy and the things that glitter and gold and things like that. And so when we talk about the madness of materialism, one of the first principles we need to understand is that it's not so much the things that you have that are wrong. Bible talks about some very rich people who were very, very faithful to God. Job stands out as one who is blameless and upright, but he had more than anyone else in the East, the Bible says. Abraham had so much animals that he and Lot couldn't stay in the same pastures. They had to spread out and separate. So so it's not the amount of things I have. It's do those things have me? And when we talk about the idea of materialism, we're talking about a state of mind. It's the idea that I have something that you don't have. I'm better than you are because I wear these kind of clothes. I get my suits at this store and you don't. I wear this kind of label. I have this kind of watch. And, 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 and we like to throw out the labels. We like to throw out the name brands. And that can, that can affect our attitude toward one another. It can affect how we see ourselves and can make us think that I have arrived. I am special because of the things I own. And so the madness of materialism, that's a great subject we're going to go through today. Glad you can be with us. Get your Bible and join with us as we look at some passages together. Yeah, at the root of all of this, of course, is from a biblical worldview, there is so much more than just the material, right? At the most basic of uh, descriptions, materialism is treating the material world, the physical things of this world as 
ultimate, right, as the most important things. And so the materialistic mindset, like you were describing a moment ago, would be, okay, my hope is built on the material things around me, my meaning, my purpose, my sense of self is built on the physical things that I have. The the way that I look at myself in comparison to other people around me is based upon the physical things that I have. How am I going to use those things? Am I going to use them as a, uh, a, a way of really giving voice or expression to it's just the here and now, or is there more? And maybe a a great passage to begin would be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32, where the Apostle Paul, obviously in, in the context of talking about the resurrection of the dead, says, verse 32, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. So there it is. If the dead are not raised, all that matters, all that is, all that will endure, all that's really important to consider is just the here and now, right? The material things that I can have. And if that's all there is, then I might as well eat whatever I want to eat, drink whatever I want to drink, treat others in whatever way I want to treat them, just live in whatever way I want to live. But Roger, what makes this madness is... There is so much more than just the physical, material things around us. And, and even in that, even, you know, even to that Corinthian statement, if there was no resurrection and this is it, and that old saying, he who has the most toys wins, that doesn't win. Uh, let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 2. Solomon gets to do what very, very, very few people ever get to do in their life. Solomon was in a position of being the king, a very wealthy king, and he got to spend his wealth. And so it says in verse 4 of chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, I enlarged my works, I built houses, you know, that's plural for myself, I planted vineyards for myself, I made gardens and parks for myself, I planted them in all kinds of fruit trees, I made ponds of water for myself, from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees, I bought male and female slaves, I had home-born slaves, I possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me in Jerusalem, I collected for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I provide for myself male and female singers, the pleasures of men, many concubines. Now, you'll notice uh, uh, two things running through those that little list there. Very few people are going to be in a position to do that because he had so much wealth. And then the second thing you notice is how he's doing everything for himself. I didn't build parks for the community. I built them for myself. I didn't build houses for others. I built them for myself a very selfish, self-centered spirit going through there. And so he says in verse 10 and 11, all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this is my reward for all my labor. Thus he says in verse 11, I considered all my activities which my hands had done, the labor which I exerted, and behold, all was vanity, uselessness, we would say, emptiness, Striving after the wind, there was no profit under the sun. And to build my life on vanity, 
meaninglessness, uselessness. That's madness, right? That is foolishness, to borrow a a very frequently uh, used Bible word. It's what Jesus was talking about in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. You you were talking about the selfishness there in Ecclesiastes. Jesus gave this famous parable in Luke, chapter 12. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. He thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. I I mean, if all that there is, is the material, the physical, well, why not do that? But what makes this madness is, God said to him, fool. This night, your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, all of those material, physical things, whose will they be? You see, there's more than the barns and more than the houses. There is a soul. And Jesus began this parable by saying, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He ends the parable with, so is the one who lays up treasure, listen, for himself and is not rich toward God. What makes materialism madness is it is ignoring what's on the inside, ultimately what is even after death. And, and the blessings which God gives us are to be used as God wants us to use them. Yeah. And so uh, the parable of the rich man, Lazarus, uh, the rich man did not go to torment because he had a gate. He ate fine every day and wore purple. He went to torment because right there at his gate was laid opportunity by a, a sick man by the name of Lazarus, and he ignored him. He was in a position where he could have taken Lazarus in his home. He could have given Lazarus some of his food. He could have given him some of his purple clothes. He could have helped him out, maybe extended his life, but he ignored him. So it wasn't the riches that took him away from God. It was his heart that wasn't right with God. So real quickly here, let's just talk about why materialism is madness. And we go back to Ecclesiastes, this time chapter five. And one of the first things Solomon reminds us is it never satisfies. He says in verse 10 of chapter five, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with his income. This too is vanity. So there's never a point where a person says enough. He never has enough. It does not satisfy. A second reason why it's madness is it does not define us. It, do, it does not define our character. Uh, we can have a fine car. We can have fine things, a fine home, fine vacations. But that doesn't mean that we have a heart that's like Jesus. Uh, the things are just the wrapper. The inside is what matters. And Jesus kind of pointed that out to the Pharisees. They would look like a, a, a beautifully washed dish, but on the inside it hadn't been washed. They looked like a beautiful cemetery with beautiful white stones, but underground was rottenness. And so because you surround yourself with lots of nice things, expensive things, it doesn't mean you have a character that's right. Some of the uh, 
And we see this coming out of Hollywood so often. So, so often the attitudes, the language, the spirit is very, very ungodlike. And so because you have these things does not mean you have a heart that God wants you to. Yeah, it doesn't satisfy, it doesn't define us, and it doesn't last, right? Um, I, I was recently teaching a class where we were talking about Jacob and Esau, and I love how, as you study the book of Genesis, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament provides so much more insight to kind of deepen your understanding of what was really going on there. And uh, in this discussion, I thought of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16, where the writer points Christians to Esau and just I mean, brings out the foolishness of here was a man who had the birthright and he sold his birthright for a pot of stew. And how powerful for us to think about that as sons and daughters of God, right? There are always going to be people around us who have more stuff, more physical things, more material things. But if I'm a son or a daughter of God, why would I ever compromise what matters most for what isn't going to last? And and I like how some translations tell that Esau story. They say he traded his birthright for a single meal. Yeah, it it, it wasn't even a month of meals. Just it wasn't one. a meal ticket, <laughs> and and one meal. And what's going to happen when he's hungry later in the day? He's already given away the best thing he had. He yeah. had nothing else. And when we trade our soul for the trinkets of society, we do the same thing. And so, so we need to be reminded of that. Back to Ecclesiastes 5, verse 15, Solomon here, uh, very uh, similar to what Job said in chapter 1, as he, came, as he had come naked from his mother's womb, so he will return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he will carry in his hand. Again, what, what makes materialism madness is we spend a lifetime chasing and collecting and getting and thinking this is going to make me happy. But when we lie, when we leave, all we leave is with our character and our names either in the book of life or not in the book of life. And all these things go to someone else. Yeah. Roger, we can't have this discussion without going back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I mean, Paul, from the standpoint of writing to Christians, provides some of the most practical, spirit-breathed input we could possibly hope for. I'll start us off maybe right around verse 6 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. He emphasizes for us godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires. Listen to that. That's madness, right? Senseless desires, harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Four, The love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. What stands out to you about those few verses? 
Well, again, it, it just puts in perspective the great value of godliness and how godliness is something we cannot put a price tag on. I, I remember seeing this uh, survey several years ago, what would you do for a million dollars? And you would not believe the answers. I mean, uh, one person said I'd walk away from my family and never look back. Some people say I would, I'd be unfaithful to my mate. And, you know, just, just, just unbelievable things just for money, just for money. And not realizing the character here. So, so the apostle has shown us, and what's interesting here is we sometimes misread verse 10. Uh, it's not money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money. You can be a very, very poor man, but still have the love of money in your heart. You can be a very rich man and have the love of money in your heart. And that love of money will make you compromise. It will make you make shortcuts where you shouldn't make shortcuts. It will make you do things that you shouldn't do because you're obsessed with the money. When you become obsessed with God, what a difference that makes. And you 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 will not make shortcuts, and you will follow the Lord through and through, and your heart will be filled with what God wants you to be filled with. You know, he uses a couple of times in those few verses that I read, content and contemptment. That, uh, that, that kind of brings us full circle to where you started, that this is a frame of mind, right? This is a posture of the heart. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness. I want to be like my Father in heaven. I want to think like Him and act like Him, talk like Him, treat others like Him, and I want to be at peace with where my hope is founded, who I am and whose I am, why I'm here, what life is all about, and how the stuff around me is to be used. That that is the stuff of being a disciple of Christ, right? It's it, it certainly involves assembling with saints on Sunday and worshiping God and saying the right things in Bible classes. But it translates into, okay, how am I going to look at the stuff and the people around me throughout the week? Which I think is why he nears in the conclusion of this first letter, verse 17, with, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. To set my hope on riches is madness. It's God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share. That's how we can store up for ourselves as a good foundation for the future so that we may take hold of that which is truly life. And what Paul would say in the first letter to Timothy and and very similar to what Peter would say in his first letter to the disciples, what ought to draw attention uh, to us is not what we're wearing, but our character in Jesus Christ. Let your light shine is what Jesus said. And and so the kind of purse you have, the kind of car you drive, the neighborhood you live in, that's not going to bring anybody to Jesus. What's going to bring somebody to Jesus is a heart that shows Jesus. And that's where the emphasis is upon the New Testament. And so uh, if we got a problem with stuffitis, we need to get rid of some <laughs> stuffitis and, 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 and put our lives back to where it should be with Jesus Christ. 
March Madness, the madness of materialism. Lord willing, next Friday, Roger, a closely related topic, we'll look at the madness of frantic busyness. But in the meantime, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound, and the best is yet to come.